I've been meditating a lot about our situation, King George. When your group placed Silas in power, you assured us he was trustworthy and loyal to the group. You had been preparing him for his role for years. And yet, here we are. I want to believe your group can still turn the tide on Silas and America. But the more I meditate on it, the less I'm inclined to have any faith you will be able to. But I'm curious, wasn't Asylus vetted properly by your group? Didn't you check anything in his life before you handed him the crown? Yes, your highness. We felt since he was a devoted soldier, he'd simply follow orders. However, we now believe he had an agenda all along. And how did you not know he would or could turn on you? We were unaware of any prophecies, or he simply hid his true intentions. He hid them so well, we couldn't even read it in his thoughts. That can only mean one thing, George. Asylus' intentions and thoughts were masked by an unknown entity. At this point, it is our belief you and your group cannot defeat Silas alone. It appears we are going to have to intervene. Your Highness, please allow us a little more time. We are about to initiate our most ambitious assault on them with the greatest weapons on the planet. Weapons no human has ever heard about in lore or legends. America will not be able to defend against our secret airships. They're planning an invasion of Australia. When they arrive, <laughs> they're in for a slaughter unlike anything they've ever known. These secret airships are not a secret to us, King George. If you know your history, those ships once belonged to our enemies long ago. And we destroyed them. With much elation, I might add. Those great weapons you speak of are inferior to what we have. Indeed they are, Your Highness. Against you. But against America they will be unstoppable. And should they somehow get their hands on one of them, we already know their weaknesses and it would be utterly useless to them. <laughs> you know, I hope you're right, George. But you should know better than to underestimate Silas. He isn't fighting this war alone. He has powerful allies of his own. <laughs> New Kingdom Radio Theater. An anthology of stories in a universe of universes. A podcast called Chronosphere Fiction. Immerse yourself in the worlds of Gafgarn the Eternally Unfurnished. Monday through Friday at the Smith's Residence. Thicker than water. These and more are waiting for you on the podcast. Chronosphere Fiction.
In a heated meeting with the High Council, lords from both houses and the king himself unanimously agreed to attack Australia in a full-scale invasion. When Americans, Chinese and Allied forces breached the Australian coast, they were met with a, an artillery barrage in a frontal assault and were flanked by a sortie on the edges of the breach. The attacks were gory and merciless, rendering heavy casualties on both sides. But the tide turned in favor of the Aussies when reinforcements came seemingly out of nowhere. As American forces pierced through the Australian defenses, air support came in to fend off the American invaders. They were airships unlike anything seen before in war. The ships could maneuver at lightning speed, were unaffected by conventional ammunition and missiles. These precarious airships could annihilate large troops of soldiers and entire fleets of ground vehicles using a laser turret that fired without the need to reload its cannons. The American forces were being decimated, and all Lord Oreb and Kinosales could do was order a retreat. America had suffered its first major military defeat in their global campaign. This sent King Silas into a maddening rage that clouded his better judgment. It was the pivot that led to the orchestrated murder of several millions of innocent people. Your Majesty, our troops and air brigades have completely retreated. What are your orders, sir? Nuke the entire continent. But, sir, we all agreed this was the absolute last resort. We have other options. We don't have anything that will stop those flying machines, whatever they are. 
Our Spartans have figured out the exotic weapons we discussed earlier. They've been testing them in the southwest and off of India's coast. They are prepared to bring them into battle now. We should consider this option before nuclear destruction of Australia. Be reasonable, my king! I heard you the first time, Lord Orib. Now we are going to destroy that country before they destroy us. As you command, Your Majesty. Put me through to command. Command, initiate the gold code launch sequence. Michael, Omega, River, Solomon, Vincent, Indiana, 9, Charlie, Indiana, Tango, Omega, Michael, 9, Indiana, Alpha. Confirm. Confirmed, Your Majesty. Launch sequence initiated. Coordinates of targets are locked and have been confirmed. God have mercy on those poor souls. Command, correspond with all non-nuclear naval ships near the Australian coast to employ their safe zone contingencies. Confirm. Confirmed, Your Majesty. All non-nuclear naval ships are maneuvering to their safe zone contingencies. 30 seconds to initiation of launch. 15 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All groups of nuclear warheads have been launched from ships on the Australian coast, sir. Impact within the hour for coastal cities. All other interior targets will be additional time. Sending impact times on your screen.
America's second assault on Australia was swift and aggressive. Asylus preferred to destroy the entire island continent than allow the Drags to fester and grow stronger in their alliance with the Australian military. America launched nuclear warheads on Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth, Newcastle and the Gold Coast. The devastation inflicted on Australia was the worst the world had ever seen in its history. During the massacre, news cameras captured immense, bizarre aircraft machines flying away from the outback in large numbers on video, which aired around the globe. While critics lamented the Silas, the worst tyrant the world had ever seen, others celebrated his cause to eradicate the so-called reptilian masters. <laughs> but after years of battling for supremacy and expansion of the American empire, unbeknownst to everyone, Asales was tired and decided to go on a pilgrimage to the desert. Only a handful knew he ventured into the American Southwest. He wanted to be alone for 40 days to do some soul-searching and find answers to some troubling questions asked about his motives. The American king had reached a personal breaking point and needed to step away from his responsibilities to clear his mind. Officially, his office said he was taking a much-needed vacation after the conquest or obliteration of Australia, which many in the press referred to as the Aussie Avalanche. In his absence, Asilas named Lord Jeremy Orb as commander of the New Kingdom of America, and Queen Rebecca as his proxy on the High Council. The news of Asilas's 40-day excursion sent shockwaves throughout the world and many conspiracy theorists believed Oreb had actually overthrown the king. But it became clear at the onset that Lord Oreb was not as savvy on camera as Osiris, and thus did very few press conferences during his 40 days as de facto king. I wish to conclude this High Council meeting with one note of assurance to everyone here. Australia, as far as we know, is vastly radioactive, but the innermost interior of the continent has been given the safe zone status and many of the survivors of the metropolitan areas have convened there. We've set up temporary shelters and are getting medical aid to as many people as we can. Our Spartan team in Australia has determined that there are no signs of the Drax. If any are still there, they are hidden somewhere in the radioactive zones. There is one order of business we have not gone over, Commander Oreb. I made an inquiry regarding the death of my father, whom all of you knew well. I believe he was murdered, and this High Council owes him at least an investigation into the mysterious nature of his demise. My Queen, the death of your father was an unfortunate loss for your family and America. 
However, with all due respect, the cause of his death has officially been ruled as drowning. Forgive me, but it has been determined that he committed suicide. I refuse to believe this, Lord Richards. I believe everyone on this council knew my father. You all know he was an eccentric man, a resourceful man, a man determined to help America and our king win this great war. He was a patriot and a true son of this realm. Queen Rebecca, I understand your pain. Truly, I do. And I think I can speak for everyone on this council that we indeed owe your father our deepest gratitude. And honestly, I had wanted to keep some of his dealings from becoming public knowledge, at least as this council is concerned. I have my own belief that Luther took his own life because of a mounting debt he owed and the loss of his holdings, not only in America, but in Europe. Perhaps the war you say he supported wholeheartedly had actually bankrupted him. Lord Banks, to my knowledge, my father was not in such great debt. He had holdings all over the world. Indeed, Your Majesty, but much of his holdings were in Switzerland, and when the banking institutions there were decimated, it's likely he lost more than he could recover elsewhere. Enough, my queen. I promise we will continue to look into Luther's death. And if there was any foul play, we'll get to the bottom of it. However, this High Council meeting is coming to a close. All businesses for today have been settled, and we will reconvene in three days. Adjourned. Lord Capone, can I speak to you for a moment in private? Of course, Your Majesty. What is it? Don't you find it strange the Council is adamant against finding out the true cause of my father's death? My Queen, it's just that there's so much going on right now. And with the King on his excursion, things are a little tense. In my opinion, Commander Oreb has to stay focused on other matters. Commander Oreb doesn't seem to want to look into the matter. I think he's hiding something. I promise you, Commander Oreb is one of the truest, most honest, and most faithful of our King's servants. I trust him with my life, as does the King. There's a good reason why he was put in charge of all the Kingdom's affairs during the King's absence. I suppose... But something doesn't feel right about this. Commander Oreb, the Queen is suspicious of things. What should we do? I think the whole council caught that, Lord Capone. I say we do nothing, wait until the King returns. Sir, I am unsure if the Queen will let this go. She may want to seize on this opportunity. Opportunity? What do you mean? She sits as the proxy to the King on the High Council. That means she is privy to sensitive information she normally would never have access to. At least while the King is away, she may start poking her nose around things and learn more than she should know about Luther. And it may bring suspicion on us. Let's look at the worst-case scenario. Suppose she learned the details of the truth. What is the worst she can do? She can take that information to the king and demand he punish us for it. 
And do you think the king would? I think if it came down to losing his family, or losing two of his loyal and trusted lords, the king would find a way to pin it on one of us, and be put to death. Sir, we cannot let her find any crumbs that lead back to us. I love the king as much as you, but I know him longer. And if you think he wouldn't put the rope around one of us for the sake of keeping order, you are sadly mistaken. Fine, Lord Capone. See to it she never gets close to any sensitive material related to her father. I'm counting on you to do this discreetly and methodically. We cannot risk her finding anything out. We are both too important to the mission to be permanently sidelined over a crooked human trafficker, even if he was the father of the Queen. Between you and me, that scoundrel got less than what he deserved. If I could have do it all over again, I would have burned him alive!
After many days in the desert, Asalas came to a place known as the Lukachukai Mountains. He was overwhelmed with the desire to climb to the highest summit. In the middle of the night, he fell asleep from exhaustion and hunger, in spite of the cold enveloping him. He laid on his back and stared into the clear sky full of stars and faded into black. That night, he dreamed of standing with old spirits of the Navajo nation, who spoke to him in a strange language, but they all understood each other. The spirits were warriors who once roamed the lands as far as the eyes could see. One of them was a chief who gave Asalas a warning. Do not believe the voices in your head, only the ones in your heart. Asylas suddenly opened his eyes and gazed upon a radiant sunrise, which left him breathless. He'd seen this event several times during his excursion, but on that particular morning, the sun danced on the horizon. As the sun's rays caressed the king's face, he heard a voice in the wind. Stand on the edge, Asylas. Look down the steep drop. If God truly has chosen you to conquer the world, and if it is your destiny to rule over all lands, then throw yourself down, for it is written God will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. At first, Asalas became enraged by the voice, but he breathed in deeply and composed himself calmly. It was a maniacal violation of a glorious moment. With the golden glitter of the sun's rays warming the skin on his face, Asylus responded. And it is also written, You will not put the Lord your God to the test. The voice in the wind growled and a dark cloud formed in front of him that shot lightning in all directions. But then the sun grew larger and vaporized the menacing cloud, clearing the sky once more. And the sun resumed its dance on the horizon until finally fixing itself back into its place in the sky. Your Highness, in spite of Australia laying in ruins, you can rest assured that Asylus and America know we have a weapon far greater than anything they possess. George, even after all the losses you have amounted since that warm Asylus came to power, you still believe you have what it takes to defeat him? I don't know whether to laugh or get angry with you over this travesty. We have given you and your group everything you could possibly need to crush those ingrates. And yet, once again, here we are. Give me one good reason why I shouldn't cut your throat myself. Well, Your Highness... The Chinese are ready to make their move on Asylus. 
they will not see this betrayal coming. Not only are they expecting it, they have prepared for it. China has already met with me to discuss their plans to rid the world of Asylus and the American Alliance. They are in a far better position to implode their organization than you are. With all due respect, Your Highness, China is playing both sides here. Whichever side wins this war, they'll undoubtedly say they backed the entire time. Surely they cannot be trusted. I have grown tired of your whining, George. You have failed us for the last time. Perhaps there is a truth to what you say about the Chinese. They may be looking to have a winning hand no matter which side is victorious, but I can respect that position more than someone who continuously underestimates and loses to a pathetic egomaniac like Asylus. A lowly soldier, a foolish follower of that buffoon they call Pop, a mere mortal with too stupid cowardly sons and a subservient wife who goes around calling herself a queen. They are pitiful. So imagine King George if they are pitiful scum. What does that make you now? <laughs> no, 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 wait! Your Highness, wait! I can still, I can still beat them! No, no, Your Highness, please! <laughs> sir? Yes, the king likes to keep hard copies of everything. They're likely encrypted in code, and the queen would not be able to decipher the encryption. At least I don't think she can. But why take any chances? Of course, Commander. Sir, what should I do with the files if and when I find them? Perhaps it would be unwise to destroy them. King Silas would be furious if we did that. Agreed. Certainly you have places you hide sensitive material, Lord Capone. I have heard stories of evidence disappearing and reappearing when you were the Chancellor of the New York schools. Something tells me you never lost the knack for hiding things away. Where did you hear that? Ah, so it is true. No worries, Lord Capone. It's best that we all stick to our rules, just as the King has commanded we do. So, find those files and hide them where nobody would think of looking. Come in! Commander, an urgent delivery has come for you. It has been screened and there is nothing dangerous in the box, sir. Bring it here. Open it, man. Oh my god, is that... It's King George's head! <laughs> Who delivered this box? Sir, it came from a vetted courier. 
find that courier and bring him to me at once. Send us this ghastly thing, Lord Capone. Whoever sent it wants us to know even well-connected kings are never safe. You've been listening to The Rise of King of Silas, Episode 27, De Facto King, starring J.V. Torres as King of Silas, J.J. Crown as King George, Stephen Fisher as Lord Jeremy Oreb, Meg McDonald as Queen Rebecca, John Doby as Lord Quinton Capone, Elena Middleton as Lord Mary Ruth, Victor Mapp as Lord Andrew Richards, Madeline Goshern as Lord Vanessa Banks. Maria Miklasavage as Voice in the Wind. Puni Bashin as Lemuria. Kevin Oaken as Assistant. Megan White as Command Operator. And narrated by Sergei Brezhnikov. This episode features the song The King and the Queen by Monkey Mind. Listen to the music of Monkey Mind on Deezer and iHeartRadio today. Other contributions by SYBS, Sergey Cheremisinov, Freesound.org, and Audio Jungle. For more information about the cast, the music, or this production, please visit us at www.theriseofkingasilas.com. And now, a word from our podcast friends. This is a Ninth World Journal. A careless experiment with a teleportation device has left me stranded in random places throughout the Ninth World. While trying to survive in these strange lands, I must find a way to reverse my condition. A Ninth World Journal is a science fantasy audio drama podcast. Subscribe to listen or visit ninthworldjournal.com. This has been a production of the New Kingdom Radio Theater in Baltimore, Maryland. Copyright 2019. And stay tuned for episode 28. <laughs>